0: Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our Elijah series. In this series, we take a look into the life of Elijah, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. From God miraculously providing for Elijah in the wilderness to the Lord's emphatic display of consuming fire on the mountaintop, we see God use Elijah to exhort the people of Israel to return to him and abandon false gods. This series challenges us to put our trust in Christ alone and to serve and rely on Him as bold witnesses of His mercy and goodness to our family, friends, neighbors, and to the ends of the earth.
1: Today, I want to talk about which God do you serve? Which God do you serve? Um, and, And I think to clue us in as to the direction we're going here, God wants it all. God wants it all. It's clear throughout Scripture that God doesn't want to be a portion of your life, but the whole. Uh, A few months ago, we, we talked in a sermon about how you have a bicycle wheel, right, with spokes on it. God doesn't want to be a spoke on the wheel, but the axis on which everything else Turns. He wants it all. Uh, we see that in Deuteronomy um, chapter 4, it says that the Lord God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. In Revelation chapter 3, we see where um, John is talking to the churches, and in one church specifically, he says, hey, I would rather be hot or cold But you being lukewarm makes me want to spew you out of my mouth. So you see, God wants it all. He wants every bit of it. In fact, he encourages you, go one way or go the other, but make up your mind. Even the very first commandment was what? That there be no other gods before me. And when asked, when Jesus was asked, What's the greatest commandment? What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. He wants it all. And what the devil has used, what Satan has used throughout all time, you know, Satan has no new tricks. He uses the same tricks. And the predominant one, even today, today, June 13th, 2021, his predominant tool and his most effective one is to shift our worship and our attention from the one true God to false gods. That is his number one objective. And today, you may already be thinking, you you may already be thinking, oh, well, you know what? I serve the Lord and him only. Well, we'll see by the end of this. We'll see. Because first thing you need to understand is that false gods promise what only the true God can provide. False gods promise what only the true God provides. I, I tell you a prominent one I see all the time is money. Money can be a God. How many of you know that's true? Money can be a God. And God. And don't think that you go to the temple of the dollar bill as much as your life looks differently when you worship money. You can have all the money in the world, make it, right? And then when cancer hits or illness hits, it's not enough. We think if we have enough money, it will make us happy. And let me tell you, money can bring, it's a tool, okay? And you can use it for God's kingdom. You can also use it to glorify yourself and make yourself feel content. But I need to tell you today that money is is a false god in many people's lives. When we think that money can be enough and then we lose a child... All of a sudden, it's not enough. Now, over the last week, we started talking about Elijah. Elijah was raised up out of um, almost nowhere. We don't know a whole lot about him until he shows up on the scene to stand up against Ahab. There had been 19 evil kings over a 200-year period, and God sends Elijah to say, there won't be any more rain in this land unless I say it's so. And then the, we found out last week that the Lord then took him away to the Carith Ravine. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to last week's sermon. You can get free CDs outside. You can check it out online. I can't go through the whole sermon again, but here's what we found. The Lord had to develop things in Elijah in a season of loneliness and stress that he would not have been able to, he he would not have been able to do otherwise in a season of happiness. He had to learn some things about God in or, so that God could use him later. And so it's been about three years. We learned about this, the story of Elijah feeding the widow and her son. And um, it's been about three years now. And Elijah, is, God is about to send Elijah to do the work of confronting these false gods. Everybody say false gods. Now, to, to tell you culturally a little bit here, you may know these terms, you may not. Monotheism, Can you say that? Monotheism. Okay, you learned a word today. Um, It's worship of one God. Christianity is monotheistic. Uh, Judaism is monotheistic. In fact, even Islam is monotheistic. And then, that, that means we worship one God, right? Okay, one God. Polytheism is the worship of many gods. So lots and lots of gods. This is the culture he's speaking into, a culture of many gods. Um, Hinduism, Shintoism, Wicca, Taoism, all of them worship multiple gods. And as he's speaking into this, the reason he has to is because there are people who declare themselves as monotheistic. I worship the one true God but then they are living their lives in a polytheistic manner. What are we saying? That they believe one way and behave another. And if you look at their life, and here's what I'm getting at today, we come here and we say as Christians, right, we serve one God. We say that. Yeah? But then the rest of the week and many times the rest of our lives Look polytheistic. Like we worship many things. We worship many things. And we've said this a lot over the last couple weeks. But you will never behave differently than you believe. You will never behave differently than you believe. Meaning your life will reflect what you believe. If money is your God, your life is going to reflect that. If sports is your God, materialism, the the thought that the more things I have, the better my life is going to be. Maybe image is your God. Maybe sports is your God. A false God. And can I tell you that if you worship the Browns, you are especially... Worshiping, we won't put up with it around here. You may worship your own glory and comfort. Pride may be your God, your career. I've seen friends uh, on many occasions abandon church, church community, God altogether because their career demanded it. And I'm skipping ahead in my sermon, but I feel like I need to say it. There are many things in worshiping these false gods that can be uh, that good can come out of. But let me tell you something. When you place it on a throne, when you place it on a pedestal and it consumes you instead of God consuming you, let me tell you, it will not help you when you get to heaven. It, when you, you can't approach the pearly gates with your trophies and awards and your promotions, you cannot. He is looking for people who worship the one true God. Some of you, I, I, I grieve in the thought that you're gonna approach heaven with lots of things you've earned here on this earth. You can make children your God. Some of you make politics your God. You know more about politics than scripture. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. You can quote your favorite news channel more than you can quote the Bible. Oh, your God will reveal itself. Yeah. It will. I hope, I hope, and my prayer in praying this morning was that the Lord through the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal in you right in this moment the gods you're worshiping. And I believe He will. And so what's your false god? How do you determine it? Where are you spending your time? Give me a picture of your last week and where you spent your time. Let me see your bank account. I'll tell you what it reveal about me. I love fried chicken. Oh, help me, help me. But you get what I'm saying. Let me see where you spend most of your time. And look, some of you, look, send me your emails if you're like, you know, all these extracurriculars I do, Pastor, you know, I'm just out there being a missionary for the gospel. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're out there living for yourself. Now, I'm not saying that's foolproof. I know there's some of you that that could be the case. But let me tell you, today, I believe the Lord is going to reveal in you some false gods. So let's read the text together because this is a very interesting passage of Scripture. And we're going to start in 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to read the whole thing read the story and then we'll kind of just look at a couple things here. We're going to start in verse 19. Now bring all the people of Israel to Mount Carmel with 450 prophets of Baal and and the 400 prophets of Asherah who are supported by Jezebel. So Ahab, this is the king, summoned all the people and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces, lay it on the wood of their altar, and without setting fire, but without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood on the altar, but not set fire to it. Then, look, verse 24, call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God, and all the people agreed. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first, for there are many of you. Choose one of the bulls, prepare it, call on the name of your God, but do not set fire to the wood, verse 26. So they prepared one of the bulls, placed it on the altar, and then they called on the name of Baal all morning shouting, O Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced wildly around the altar that they had made. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed, for surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought, or he is relieving himself. Or maybe he is away on a trip. Or he is asleep and needs to be awakened. So they shouted louder. And following their normal customs, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening. But still, there was no reply, no voice, no answer. Keep reading with me. Verse 30. Then Elijah called to the people, come over here. They all crowded around him as he prepared the altar of the Lord uh, that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each tribe of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the Lord's altar. Then he dug a trench around the altar, large enough to hold about three gallons of water. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, Fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. After they had done this, he said, do the same things again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did, as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even overflowed the trench. In verse 36, it says, at the customary time for the offering of the evening sacrifice, Listen to this. If you highlight in your Bible, you should highlight this. Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all of this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately, everybody say immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven, burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the ditch. And then the people saw it. They fell on their faces and cried out, the Lord is God. The Lord is God. Elijah came out of three years of kind of hiding away. They find him here in verse 19. Well, actually in 17 and 18, um, I don't want you to miss this. So in verse 17, right before 19, Ahab's been looking for Elijah, right? God took Elijah away. He's been gone for three years. They find Elijah. And this is this is what the Bible says in 17. Um, so it is you. Is it you, Israel's troublemaker? Ahab asked when he saw him. And And look, Elijah pulls no punches here. He says... I have made no trouble for Israel. You and your family are the troublemakers. For you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshiped the images of Baal instead. So he calls the king out right here, and what we're seeing in scripture is a showdown. How many of you love the climax of the movie when it's about to go down? Anybody? I'm ready. Okay. I love Western movies. I'm a John Wayne fan. My wife hates it. She won't watch them with me and I don't get it. Any other John Wayne fans? I want to start a club. Okay. All right. We'll get together. But in every movie, there's the climax. This is kind of the, one of the climaxes here. And Elijah shows up to this showdown and he presents this prophetic message to them and I believe if Elijah were in our midst today, he would have the same message for us and it is this. Hear me, you leave here with anything today, leave here with this. It's time to quit wavering. It's Hey, look up here, pay attention. It's time to quit wavering. He's talking to people who are wavering between the one true God and Baal. And he says it right here in the text. He says, um, how long will you waver between two opinions? If you're going to follow God, follow God. But if Baal is actually God, follow him. Why are you dancing back and forth? I think your lives may look like this. Where it looks one way during around certain groups of people or around the church or whatever the case may be, but no one would know that the Lord is your God by the way you live your life because you're so back and forth. If you want to if if money's god, go all in. Get a bunch of credit cards, go in debt. If image is your thing, materialism, you want to fix up your house, go ahead. Get in all kinds of debt. Just go all in with it. Go ahead and make it God. But Revelations would say it, and we would see it here in the text, that God demands of his people to be all in or all out. That is the the requirement. He says, be holy, for I am holy. The standard is clear. Be all in or be all out. But if God is the Lord of your life, I'm here to encourage you. Go all in. Lean in. Make him Lord of everything. You have all these activities going on? Great, perfect. Make it your mission field. If you, if you go about the same things you've always done if at your work or at the sports field or wherever you go, and, and you bring up God this week and they're shocked? God may not be the king. It says here in uh, verse 24, then call on the name of the Lord your God and I will call on my God, the God who answers by fire. He is God. Um, so the way this kind of phrases out, there's a couple altars here. Okay, a couple altars um, Baal's folks, take, and Ash, they take up one side and then they have this side and they're gonna make a sacrifice. And so they take the bull, they prepared it, they called on the name of the Lord. Um, uh, the first guys went for Baal, okay? Baal went first. And the Bible says that um, when they called, they called all morning long, all morning long. O Baal, answer us. But there was no response. No one answered. So they started dancing. What false gods are you dancing for? Now, some of you are terrible dancers. I've seen you. I've seen some of you. You can't even clap on time. Some of y'all are like, oh, he's watching. And so it may sound like a weird question, but listen those false gods will have you do all types of things for them. Who are you dancing for? What routines, what life rituals are in place so you can keep this God happy, this false God? Think about it today. What false gods, and and notice the false gods don't respond. I've seen it time and time again, even in my own life, where the things of this world will distract me and I'll make them take precedence. And then when something goes down, no response. My friend's circles have changed because of that as well. So I feel like me and Elijah, we get along because of this next section here. So they do this all morning. They start dancing. I'll save you. I was going to, I had, I was going to like pretend to dance up here. Uh, (laughs) So I'm going to skip that for you. At noon, this this is why Elijah, I feel like we would get along. Elijah starts mocking them. Now, don't take the mockings lightly here. He's He's making a comparison. He's making a comparison. He says, why don't you shout a little louder? Maybe he can't hear you. In comparison, God always hears. Surely he is God. Perhaps he's in deep thought. or busy, or traveling. But in contrast, our God is always present. He's about to make a comparison. Maybe he's sleeping or unaware. Maybe he needs to be awakened. Our God never sleeps. He's making. He's mocking them, which I'm like, yeah. I wish I could see this. You know, okay, let me step over here for a second. When I get to heaven, one of the things I hope is there, and I think I've said this before, is like a a Bible Netflix, where I can scroll through the Bible in video form and like watch replays. Oh, you've never thought that? I hope it's true. Because I would like to see this scene where he's mocking them. And and, and so they go all day long. No response, nothing happening. They're worshiping their false gods. The false god has got them locked in. They're doing everything the false god wants them to do. And then Elijah steps up. He builds this altar back. We see that in the text. And it's weird I thought about this last week as I I was kind of fine-tuning the message. They pour a lot of water on this altar. And they're in a three-year drought. Think about this. Elijah has built this altar and he's asking them to take the thing that is probably most precious The most desired thing, and saying, Dump it out. Soak this thing. Soak the altar, soak the the sacrifice, soak it all. Fill this trench. The trench was almost overflowing with this precious commodity. God will consume even the most precious things to get our attention. And God is all consuming. And then I and then this prayer has really stuck with me nonstop. He prays this prayer. Listen, O oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, Jacob, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I'm your servant, and I've done all these things at your command. Answer me. O oh Lord, answer me. Why? Why? To prove Baal is wrong? To to make some kind of grandiose point? No, look. So these people will know that you are the Lord. Oh, Lord, our God. This is powerful. And that you are turning their hearts back again. I sincerely believe that God can turn any heart. And probably the most grace and love and compassion I've ever received has been from the Lord because of all the times that I've turned away and made other things God. Made my contentment God. Made my family God. Made my marriage God. Whatever the case may have been. And He is always turning my heart back to Him. He's so gracious in that. I truly believe today that that some of you in this room are going to turn away from the false gods in your life. He is He is beckoning you back to Him to make to have you make Him your everything. So he does this, and then it happens. The fire of the Lord fell, burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell down and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. As the band comes back, I have some concerns and it has truly been the cry of my heart even the last couple of weeks Lord what God does my life say that I'm worshiping all of us everyone in this room is made to worship everyone we are created to worship It's in our DNA. We will worship something. I may worship myself, but I'm gonna worship. You will worship, and you are currently worshiping something, and your life tells the story of what that is. And my heart is that, my prayer is that you would see the things that are not of God and allow him to turn back, your heart. And what we see here in the story is that when you call on the name of the Lord, he responds. Look, look at Lamentations 3.55. It said, I called on your name, O Lord, out of the lowest pit. Psalm 18.3, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved for my enemies. Psalm 50.15 says. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I shall rescue you. And you will honor me. Psalm 105, one says. Oh give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make, his, make known his deeds among the nations. Psalm 116. Verse 2. Because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore. I will call upon him. As long as as I live and then Romans ten 13. y'all know this one whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved how is this possible how is this possible I found this verse that I want to leave you with today Isaiah 65 1 Isaiah is a prophecy book, okay? And this is what the Lord would say in Isaiah 65, 1. I permitted myself, this is the Lord talking, I permitted myself to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I permitted myself to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation who did not call on my name. You know what this is saying? And this is good news. Hey, look at your neighbor and say, good news, good news. God presents himself to you not because you asked for him not because you sought for him but just because he said here I am it's his nature to respond to the call of the one who wants to make him Lord praise God Praise be to God that he will reveal in you and I every false god, show them to be non-responsive. And then without a show and dance, just a simple prayer, he will reveal himself as the Lord. He is God. as we pray today, how willing are you to admit the false gods in your life? Some of you will leave here today, and this is what you'll say. Man, that was a great message. Um, I'm glad he's Lord of my life and totally Give yourself a break for the false gods you're worshiping this week. Don't do that. I have witnessed over the last couple weeks God reveal himself in ways I have never seen him reveal himself. And as you allow God to be God in your life and shed yourself of the things that are fleeting and hopeless and will let you down, I promise you this, when you call upon the name of the Lord, He will respond. That's what His Word tells us. Who are you calling on today? Who are you calling on today. Can I pray with you? Every head bowed, every eye closed today. Lord, I'm thankful today that I can call on your name and that you'll respond. That I don't have to live doing some song and dance for a false God that will not respond anyway, that promises things that it can't fulfill And I pray we would lay those down this morning, right now. I would lay it all down and put you on the throne of my heart. I want to see you move. I want to see your spirit work in ways that I've never witnessed. And so I know in order for that to happen, I have to make you king and nothing else. I have to make you God and nothing else. Help us to do that today. Help us to do that today. And as we worship and leave here, Lord, I pray you would move. Move in our hearts. It's in the matchless name of Jesus. Would you all stand and just worship this uh, wonderful God today with us?
0: Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.